Hi, and welcome to Healing Quest. I'm Judy Brooks. And I'm Roy Walkenhorst. Our focus here on Healing Quest is a healthy lifestyle to help us all achieve optimum well-being. Well, thank you for joining us. We hope you're all keeping cool and maybe even having a little fun these days. <laughs> Although with the extreme weather all over the world, plus inflation, economic worries here at home, and new COVID variants to deal with, it can be tough to avoid negative thoughts these days. So that's why right off the top of today's show, we've asked Dr. Greg Hammer to join us again. Now, Dr. Hammer is a pediatric intensive care physician and a pediatric anesthesiologist. He's also a professor at Stanford University Medical Center, a researcher into immunology and pharmacology, and the author of the book Gain Without Pain, the Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Professionals. Well, last week, if, if you were listening, you may remember that we had a great conversation with Dr. Hammer about how to reduce the stress that is so rampant these days and so dangerous in terms of compromising our immune system. Just before the end of our discussion last week, Dr. Hammer mentioned that one big challenge for all of us is that our brain tends to be wired for a negative bias. Well, that really caught our attention. So we've asked Dr. Hammer to join us again today by Zoom from Palo Alto to continue the conversation. Dr. Hammer, welcome back to Healing Quest. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Judy and Roy. It's great to be back with you. So this brain wiring thing, I mean, first of all, how do we know that our brain tends to be wired in a, in a negative way? What's the science underneath that? There's a lot of science behind that, actually. But I think if we all stop and think about the thoughts we have at the end of the day when we're taking stock of the events of the day, we will actually be able to perhaps even recall our negativity bias. But I'll give you a good example. And I think if I do, it may resonate with you, even though it's an example that involves uh, medicine. So I teach residents and fellows and uh, medical students, and I do that in the intensive care unit in the operating room since I do critical care and anesthesia. So one day I'm working with one of our excellent residents and we have four big operations for which we're providing care and they're very complex and the resident has a lot of complex things to do, including technical things like placing catheters in arteries and tubes and lines in various places. So first case goes flawlessly. The resident does all the procedures beautifully while I'm supervising um, the patient emerges from anesthesia, does great. Second one goes exactly like that, but the resident can't get the catheter in the patient's artery in the wrist, so I come in and do that. But everything else is perfect. Patient wakes up comfortable, not nauseated, awake and alert, and perfectly safe. And the third and fourth cases go the same way. Everything is perfect. So the resident, now gone home at the end of the day and has had dinner with their spouse and getting ready to go to sleep, and they're taking stock of their day. And do they remember the 90 things they did well and the fact that all the patients did well? No, the thing they're going to remember is the fact that they couldn't get the arterial line in the second patient. And that's just an example of negativity bias. The negative really sticks with us and, and stays in our memory and the positive things to a lesser degree. So that's what I would call a negativity bias, that we tend to think in a negative manner. If you're just joining us, I'm Roy Walkenhorst. And I'm Judy Brooks. And we're speaking with Dr. Greg Hammer about dealing with the tendency of our brain to be wired for negativity. Now, and to that point, do you think that negativity could actually shorten our life? 
Absolutely. And, and we talked about the effects of stress. Negativity creates stress. Our heart rate goes up. Our blood pressure may go up. And we have physiologic changes in our body that we talked about with regard to our immune system and our circulatory system. And we may have talked about telomeres, which are the little protective caps on our chromosomes. And as we age, they get shorter and, and don't do as good a job protecting our chromosomes. And our chromosomes are therefore subject to injury and uh, deterioration. Negativity bias uh, involves stress and stress causes an aging-like process and other adverse physiologic processes. And, and so, yes, you can just connect the dots. Yeah, not to mention uh, how negativity actually affects the people around us. Absolutely. In fact, how many of us would prefer not to spend much time with those who are <laughs> really absorbed in negativity? Most of us. Okay, I, I uh, bet you, you have a couple of suggestions for us about how we can deal with this. Absolutely. The point of my book, which is Gain Without Pain, the happiness handbook for healthcare professionals, soon to be followed by a general one uh, for everybody else, <laughs> is how can we embrace tools that will help us be present and positive? And I go back to the elements of gain, gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment. So when we are stuck with thoughts of the past, negative thoughts commonly, regret and shame, and, and when we're stuck and obsessing with respect to thoughts about the future, we have fear and anxiety, which certainly is escalated now. So we need to discern between what's adaptive and what's maladaptive with regard to considerations of the past and future. We wanna savor our good memories. We wanna learn from our mistakes. Those are adaptive ways of dwelling on the past. And we wanna have fun things to look forward to and we also have to plan to put bread on the table. So those are adaptive future considerations. But we're often mired in maladaptive thoughts of the past and the present. So when we're present, we're happy. If you think about all the happy moments in your life, you are right there, right now. Um, if we shared a joke and we all were laughing uncontrollably, we would be <laughs> totally present with each other, connected to each other and, and happy. And so I think that embracing a practice, which I might call gain, we can become more present and more positive and starting with gratitude. I think gratitude is an essential ingredient to being present and being happy. And even in the midst of this terrible pandemic, mm -hmm. uh, I would invite people to go online and find some documentaries on YouTube or elsewhere about the flu epidemic of 1918 and the suffering that transpired during that pandemic was multiples of what we're experiencing now. Imagine, you know, we're, you and I are on Zoom together, we can communicate, we see each other. There was no such communication back then. People had very little information. There were far less resources available and far many more deaths. So we can all be grateful that during this pandemic, we have all of the benefits of our modern culture and society. To the extent that we can't have everything the way we want, then we have to accept the unpleasantness 
And again, I don't recommend trying to push it away or resist it. I recommend actually as part of this gain contemplative meditation that's in the book, that we sit and we open our hearts and we actually visualize these painful things merging with us, entering through our heart and merging with our bodies and our spirits. Because in that way, we can let go of the pain. But when we resist it, it will always come back and usually in a stronger manifestation. So gratitude, acceptance, intention is where I really get at rewiring the brain and kind of bending the curve for this negativity bias that we have. And I mentioned that I think every thought we have is a choice between that thought and another thought. And we can rewire the way we think to become more positive. And there's a terrific example of that, how simple this is. There's an ongoing study at Duke University, and I believe that a guy named Brian Sexton is running it now, and it's called Three Good Things. The idea is that every evening before you go to sleep, you make a conscious decision, you use your intention to think of three good things that happened during the day. Yeah. The point of three good things is that just by exercising our intention and focusing on three good things at the end of the day, we actually sleep better and we become happier people. And this has been demonstrated in the Three Good Things study by sequential quality of life questionnaires that the participants complete. So before they start the program and then at intervals during the Three Good Things evening practice. So that's an example of how we can use our purposefulness, our intention, to start rewiring the way we think. And the interesting thing about that, as just with the game meditation itself, is happiness begets happiness. So the more we do this, the more we want to do it, because we understand we get a little dopamine hit, we get a little pleasure, yeah. and that's just one set of negativity, negative thoughts, that we're not having. The fourth pillar of happiness and resilience and being present and positive and happy is uh, non-judgment. So that's the end in game. We have gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment. And we don't think about this, but we expend a tremendous amount of energy judging everything in our environment and most of all ourselves. Mm -hmm. And these judgments are hardly ever adaptive or of benefit. So we tend to compare ourselves to other people if we want to bolster our own ego, then we judge the other person unfavorably. Much of the time, we're doing the opposite. We're tearing ourselves down by considering that we don't match up to our peers, for example. But if we just sit with the idea that we don't need to make any judgments, what happens if the world is just the way it is? We didn't create it. We're not going to cure it. We sit with it and let it just simply be. And it's just remarkable that when this becomes integrated into our daily life, I think it just is a huge stress reduction practice. And again, facilitates our being present and much more happy and resilient. It's a big gain. It's a big gain, yeah. What I think I'm hearing from you is that it is possible to reverse the negative mindset. Exactly, and that's called rewiring the brain. And there are lots of data showing with quality of life questionnaires, with functional magnetic resonance imaging of the brain, or FMRI, MFR. that the happiness centers in our brain, for example, light up 
when we do these very simple practices. And just like everything else, baby steps, but do things religiously. For example, do that three minute gain meditation that I describe in my book every morning. It only takes three minutes. And what we'll find is that we start to embrace gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment in multiple ways throughout the day in a conscious manner. And it's not really that hard. It's just like working a muscle in our body or, you know, trying to learn a foreign language. It's, I think it's a lot easier than learning a foreign language, actually, <laughs> especially at our age. A lot of good stuff there. We've been speaking with Dr. Greg Hammer of Stanford, author of the book, Gain Without Pain, the Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Professionals. Up next in our show, some timely tips for staying healthy if you're planning to travel. I'm Judy Brooks. And I'm Roy Walkenhorst, and you're listening to Healing Quest on iHeartRadio. Radio. 